But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> Yosarian. Hmm. Is that who it was? No, no. it was Orr. It was Orr. Orr. Yeah, right. L- let me preface this whole thing by saying that I'm not convinced that Catch-22 is the best representation of the joy of aviation. Of course not. But, but, uh, but. So what was your, why would Jab? You were the one who was asking what this guy's name was. Why were you right? Because there's a there's a news article, the the link thing you there, um, <clears throat> about a guy. Um, Dateline. This is Dateline, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, but apparently the crash happened in in uh, Wyoming. Uh, according to this report, uh, this is the the pilot's third uh, off field landing. And I was kind of, you know, kind of reminded me of uh, the character Orr from the novel Catch Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. Right. And Orr was always, you know, crashing his bomber or or not returning from missions for one reason or another. Oh, that's right. He was, and they they used to find him in a life raft in the middle of the English right, Channel. Right. Right. And and, yeah. and at the end, towards the end of the of the novel, uh, it suddenly dawned on Yosarian that Orr was actually practicing. Uh, and was and had and had ditched his airplane and rode himself to Sweden, which was neutral during World War II, which yep. was one of the ways out of the the um, ridiculousness of uh, you know, Syrians' experience in World War II. You know, I, I just I just I just kind of you know, piqued yeah. my interest. Who, who, who was that guy? Because it, it it almost kind of sounded the same. I'm not suggesting the uh, the individual here. His name apparently uh, is Stephen Stam. Um, is is practicing to row himself to Sweden in any any stretch of the imagination, but uh, having three off airport landings over a, uh, a period of years is, you know, not n- normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, 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 I haven't. I don't any. know. Maybe he's yeah. just trying to get it right. Maybe he's trying to get it right. What's Maybe the nature he- of the other crashes? Is he getting better at it or worse at it? Well, both two of them were in air coops, which may or may not tell you anything. The third one, apparently, or one of the three, I should say, was in a uh, like a Grumman American, uh, yeah, Grumman American Lynx. Um, mm-hmm. um, but um, so, and, and you know, I, the Sweden thing might not be so far off the mark, okay? Because okay. there's just just this reading the first couple graphs of this story. All right, okay, so it's datelined Michigan. Right, but the first sentence references Holland. All right, so I was thinking oh, this must be European, but it's not. And then apparently the crash happened in Wyoming. Right. Yeah, so, the guy's from Holland, Michigan. Ho- oh, Holland, Michigan, which is near Grand Rapids. Okay, so Holland, Michigan, and Holland. Oh no, Holland is in is in Netherlands, not Sweden. So that doesn't work. Who are the Dutch? What's that? Nothing. Yeah, okay. An old Seinfeld line. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Who? Oh, the, right. I don't understand how that works. Yeah. So somebody uh, really, somebody really did their work on this web story because they have pictures from the other two right, crashes. Right. <laughs> so no. So yeah. That's so that maybe will let us answer my question, which is: Is he getting better at this or worse? Is this practice? Is this like? Uh, you know? He seems to be pretty consistent. So he landed on a road. All he, of them look salvageable. Right. Yeah. He landed yeah. on this most recent one, this air coupe one. He landed maybe on or at least beside a road, a paved 
highway of some sort. Interstate 80. Is that yeah, really that's, Interstate 80? Oh, okay. That's, that's what the road, story yeah. said. I've driven right past there many times. Um, what, uh, where, what were the nature of the other crashes here? David, have you, know, have you looked? Um, the, the, the story July, doesn't really say. Well, let's see. I mean, we could research all of this. Uh, Loss of engine power was also blamed in July when right. he put his air coupe on a beach in beach grass, grass near Holland State Park. Okay. So that was a beach. And then... Uh, on on a beach, it was an, it was another air coupe. Yeah, yeah, and as then, opposed to <laughs> Beechcraft. Okay. And then oh. and then nine, wait a minute, and then in '09, he was flying an, a Grumman Lynx. The plane bounced during a landing at the. All right, so let's get the sequence here. In '09, he bounced and had a bad landing. In Park Township, I guess. This year, in July of this year, is when he when he put the air uh, one air coop down on the grass. You just got really loud, by the way. Yeah, did I? Sorry, I don't know why. I didn't change anything. But is it all right? Is it is it is it? Uh, You're okay. Okay, it's not like distorting or anything. No, no, it's just um, right. so a beach. I mean, a bad landing, a beach, and now a highway. Mm-hmm. All right, so. What this is like a SAT question. What's the next thing in the series? <laughs> water. Water. I guess water yeah. will be next. All right. So I basically I've got to get. Let's see. I can't put a person's name into uh, air uh, air uh, air. Uh, oh, I can never remember the name of the place. The what's that outfit where I where I where I uh, I uh, stalk you, Jeb, when you go flying? Flightaware. Flightaware. I can't put a name in Flightaware. I can only put a tail number. So I'm gonna have to figure out another way to track this guy. To figure out where, what his next adventure is going to be, you can put a, you can put a name into the FAA registry. You, no, well, well, either, oh. either, either but, water or retractable. One of those two frontiers. Yeah. 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 Speaking of retractable, did you see that story? The oops, an airliner that uh, some some uh, mechanic somehow I don't know whether the mechanic did it, but the mechanic was on board when the nose wheel. Uh, this is just parked on the ramp. It wasn't doing anything. It was only a mechanic on board, and oops, all of a sudden the nose wheel retracted, and <laughs> the story referred to it as a, a face plant. All right, and it showed a picture of the uh, of the. Uh, uh, I believe, believe it was an Airbus 330, maybe. Um, Ouch! That uh, that was like sitting on its main gear and its nose. All right, and uh, it's like, oops! What button? It wasn't did you a white line under to... where the nose came down, was there? What's that? Wasn't a white line where the nose came down, was there? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. What would that mean? Well, it means that it was part DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. Anyways, okay. So, all right. Well, we're gonna have to keep track of uh, of uh, Orr here. Excuse me, Stephen Stam, uh, to see whether or not he ends up in Sweden. But, uh, but uh, you know, credit where credit is due. Survived three bad exactly. airplane situations. Exactly. You know, and um, uh, got to get some kind of prize for that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's maybe he should good. be giving lessons in, in this or something. Yeah. So now here's my, uh, this is my thing, all right? Um, and this goes back a few weeks, and I think we even talked about this privately in email, so I don't know if you'll recall this here, all right? Who, who are we? Nosedive. Ah. Nosedive. Nosedive, all right? I, I, we're going to do the introduction in a minute, Dave. I haven't forgotten. Um, no. 
Not yet. Not yet. But I, I mean, there's time. I could forget still, but I haven't. Um, nosedive. Okay. Nosedive. So a story, uh, a mainstream media story about some um, airplane situation. And I don't even did I did I put a link to that story here? Let's see. What did I? No, do? I didn't. Okay. Um, so the the mainstream media reporter uh, described um, uh, some sort of aviation situation where an airplane went into a nosedive. All right, and I. And his email address was there, so I sent him an email, kind of, kind of taking him to task on using the word nosedive because I thought it was a very imprecise, kind of unprofessional, not unprofessional, but imprecise, not very good term. It was a very, I didn't like Actually, that. Actually, it's very a, well a, defined. A layman's term. Yes, a layman's term that is alarmist and not really descriptive, and I didn't like it. Okay, and so <laughs> he actually replied to me. The author, the writer, replied to me. I quit credit where credit is due. He replied to me, but he thought what I was pointing out was that he had misspelled the word nosedive. <laughs> that he had, like I forget hyphenated or not hyphenated or whatever. Okay, um, and so he said, "Oops, thanks for catching my misspelling." All right, and I just decided to let it go at that point all right but now i'm thinking so i did some research and trying to decide how how unprofessional how laymanish the, the word nosedive is um and, and i get the feeling maybe i'm in the minority here what do you guys think about the word nosedive as a, describing an airplane's actions well it's in the dictionary as a term for an airplane nosing over and going in spinner first so presuming it's a tractor uh, and I saw it in a story here locally when a guy crashed his 310 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, witnesses credited him with uh, deliberately avoiding houses and buildings and uh, to because they saw him get over a clear spot and then nose it straight in. And that was the phrase that was used. Mm -hmm. He took a nosedive to right. save the houses. Yeah, so... <laughs> So I, I guess I'm. This is just me. This is a. This is well, an okay I, word. And I, I don't know that I'd ever use it. It's it. It is a, a layman's term. Um, the airplane climbed. It dived. It turned. Uh, it stalled. It landed. It took off. You know, th those are basically the air, the things that an airplane does. Um, and I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll for for grins here. I'll open up a copy of the airplane flying handbook that I just happen to have handy, and I'll search for the phrase nose or the the word nosedive. Okay. And uh, let's see if we can do this while we're talking here. Um, but um, it, it's not something that I would. It's not a term that I would normally use. Although probably some industrious listener will go back and listen to. Hundreds of UCAP episodes, and will <laughs> probably find me using the word nosedive. Um, but let's and your credibility would take a nosedive. Consistency, what? Consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. That's exactly right. Now, I've I've searched while we're talking here. I've searched my PDF copy of the airplane flying handbook, and the result I get is the following. Acrobat has finished searching the document. No matches were found. Okay, all right. So it's not in there. Nosedive. Yeah, it, it tried both as one word and as, as, as two words. Yeah, I can do that. Let's see if that matters. I don't think it's going to matter. 
and it intrigues same, me. Same result. All the same result. Dictionary, same. all the different dictionaries have it as one word and two words and hyphenated words. So there's not even agreement in the lexicographic community about how to present it. Right. Although it could be like some words in aviation that, like take off, take off, and take off. That are used in three different ways depending on the uh, context. Right, right. He was about to take off. That's two words. Right. He was on his takeoff roll, hyphenated. No, that's one word. That's one word? Yeah. It's the battle of the editors. (laughs) The takeoff roll. (laughs) Dun-da-da-da. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes. All right. I want there to be three different versions of this, David, so that that can be the episode title. Take off, take off, take off. Well, t- take, to, to take off, is the, the kind of the verb tense is two words. A take off, the act of taking off, is uh, one word. And then, of course, taking off is two words. Okay. And the and the listeners are all screaming at us. What the heck are you guys talking about? As I was well, say, the listeners are about to take off right now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I do want the listeners to send this email on the subject of nosedive. I want to know what people think about the word nosedive, or the words nosedive, or the phrase nosedive. Send it to a podcast a email at podcast done in controlled airspace. Let us know. Um, we maybe even will talk about it on the podcast because, as you can see, we'll talk about anything on the podcast. So. Um, Follow up even with that. aviation stuff. Yeah, even aviation stuff. And just so David doesn't have like a total conniption here, let me say, welcome, folks, <laughs> to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from a beautiful uh, lookout point. Hot for, that's right. See, I don't say I haven't said it in so long that uh, from high atop lookout point in beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire. It is beautiful. Fall has taken hold, and although it's an un, uh, unusually warm day for fall, it's going to get to be the mid-70s here today, which is very, very nice. Um, the uh, sun is out. The sky is clear. Uh, anyways, I'm here in uh, our virtual hangar talking to uh, my two good friends. Uh, one of those voices out there is uh, Dave Higdon talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, David. What's going on? Sunshine, Superman, swell day. Yeah, nice out there too, huh? Oh, yeah, it's lovely. Uh, the leaves are starting to come off, but they haven't really started changing color all that much, which is kind of odd. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a nice day to uh, go to the airport. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, you'll have to report back on that. That sounds like fun. And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm well. Again, you know, the, the sun is shining, the birds are singing. Uh, the only thing down here that's changing color are the alligators, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm sorry, the uh, alligators change colors? Sure, they get older. Oh, okay. I thought that was a seasonal thing. I thought you were saying, like, they have their spring mm. wardrobe and their fall wardrobe and that kind of thing. No, no, the, 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 the gators are just getting older. Um, I got one out Aren't sunning. we all? Aren't we all? I got one out sunning himself right now. Um I guess, you know, maybe maybe that's part of it, too. They get some sun, and, and uh, they get a tan, and they get darker. Who knows? That could be it. That could be it. So, but, uh, yeah, everything, everything's good, and, uh, you know, basking in the glow one more time. Well, yep, uh, yep, just finished a new, a new, I was going to say a new episode, a new issue of your magazine. Yeah. Exactly, yep. exactly. And uh, did some flying over the weekend. And, oh, yeah? Yeah, just, we'll talk about it later. Oh, we will talk about it. Uh, oh, we'll oh. talk about it the, on the podcast or privately? On the podcast. Okay. 
Because I actually saw... All right, I didn't see it on the list, but let's not forget, because I have a question about an unusually odd flight that you apparently took. Okay. Um, sad news. Uh, so uh, uh, Ray Scholler, one of the... Uh, at the risk of sounding uh, uh, sexist, one of the founding fathers, one of the founding parents of EAA, um, died recently, um, passed away at the age of 97, uh, a good long life. Um, um, Ray Scholler uh, is, is to many, many people most well-known because uh, he is the namesake of the uh, beloved campground uh, there at the EAA convention grounds, Camp Scholler. And, uh, um, and, and that was as a result of the fact of him and his wife, Bernice, um, uh, putting so much effort over the years into making uh, Camp Scholler uh, the great campground that it is. Um, passed away just recently and uh, very sad about that. Um, I never met uh, Ray Scholler that I'm aware of. I perhaps was in his presence, but I, I don't recall meeting him. Did either of you meet him or know him? No. Met him years and years ago. Uh, my first or second Oshkosh and uh, some workshop, some forum that I was covering for Glider Rider magazine. I don't remember much about it. I just remember being introduced to a guy named Ray Schaller and not putting the names together until about a day later. Mm-hmm. Do you have any recollection of him? Was he a nice guy? Was he friendly? Did he smile? Did he, I don't know. Yeah, he was part of uh, Papa Paul's uh, inner circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the gang. He would uh, hand you the smoke oil bottle and then smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's some sort of euphemism. Um, yeah, that's, well, so our, our thoughts and prayers to his family yeah. and to his friends and uh um, you know, thank you to Ray Scholler for all the great work that he did over the years. And 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 we now, many of us now know how Camp Scholler got its name. Yeah, you didn't know yep. that. I, I I figured it was something like that, but yeah. I wasn't sure. No, I, I I was aware of Ray Scholler. I just never met him. And uh, and uh, you know, so our, our thanks to him will. and his yeah. and his wife Bernice and to his entire family and our best wishes. We already talked about one off-field landing of the week, um, our friend from uh, from Holland, um, but uh, we actually have three more here. Let's see if we can... Uh, these are, uh, it's been a busy time. It's been a busy time. Uh, in no particular order. Uh, oh, well, no, I do want to... Because I want to put this first one last, because this one's kind of interesting. Um, small plane makes emergency landing on Irvine Street. No one hurt. Um, is this the one that where we also have dashboard video of an I, I airplane? I think it is. Yeah, that was the, both the, the the dash cam video apparently was in Irvine also. Yeah. So he landed on a on a, not a highway, sort of a city street, and uh, and there's this great piece of video of a guy stopped at a red light and you know seeing the intersection in front of him, and all of a sudden an airplane just taxis by pretty fast. I mean, still rolling out and uh and uh, the guy actually turned the corner to follow to see what the heck was that all about and uh, eventually caught up to the airplane where it had stopped and uh, it's just like um let's see if i can find a little bit more information about this one uh small plane makes emergency landing on irvine street no one hurt uh, a small plane with an instructor and a student pilot made an emergency landing on irvine street wednesday after evening uh piper cherokee near john wayne airport Etc. Etc. We could go on. Uh, no yeah. injuries or damage to the plane. Sounds like it all turned out okay. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, um, it's. I mean, luckily because it wasn't an unbusy city street, but you know, seemed to have. And I say Irvine's not at the top of my list of places where I'd want to suffer an er- engine failure. Yeah. Exactly. Matter of fact, no place between 
between Tijuana and Santa Barbara, basically. Yeah. 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 So, so congratulations to that pilot. Is the name of the pilot in here? Let's see. I don't see the pilot's name here, but congratulations to the instructor and to the student for uh, getting their airplane on the ground safely. The next one here, this is just bizarre. Okay, so this is Red Rock Canyon in, uh, in uh, I don't know where Red Rock Canyon is, Nevada or something like that, all right? And uh, um, the, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the story here. It says, uh, Rangers surprised by parked helicopter at Red Rock Canyon. So apparently the Rangers in this um, uh, national conservation area uh, wandered by one day and discovered a, a, a Schweitzer 300C helicopter just sitting in among the, uh, the uh, brush here. Um, and at first didn't know what the heck happened. And then later on, the story came to light. What happened uh, was apparently it was a precautionary landing. The, uh, uh, the helicopter pilot was, uh, was, uh, cruising along and, uh, and had it, I'm trying to find in the story, the description of the nature of the problem, but I think it was a power reduction or something like that. Um, and so as a precaution, it wasn't a forced landing exactly, uh, as a precaution, the pilot set the helicopter down there among the brush and apparently in the process of setting down, dinged the, uh, the tail rotor. That's that's what made it impossible to take off again, and so they got out of the helicopter and walked over to a nearby road where they thumbed a ride and uh, went off to figure out how to get the helicopter out of there. So uh, they uh, let's see now. I'm looking for the person's name. What do you guys think about this? Um, it, it is off airport landing. A helicopter lost some power. The pilot auto rotated to um uh, a safe landing except for you know dinging the tail rotor which is repairable um the the helicopter will fly again yeah yeah you know, apparently it's a it's a non-trivial thing to get this helicopter out of there uh, perhaps because it's in the brush a little bit there was the story talks both about finding a truck but it also talks about getting a bigger helicopter in to lift it out so i, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how they did that but uh, um and I would have sworn this one had the pilot's name. Let's see now. Oh, yeah. Jo- Larry Jocelyn, apparently. Let's see now if that's the right name. Yeah, it was, it was. Jocelyn said his initial plan was to repair its damaged tail rotor and fly it out of Red Rock Canyon within an hour of touching it down. But now he's making arrangements to have it lifted on a trailer and trucked out of the park. But then, like I said, later on in the story, it talks about a bigger helicopter. So, yeah. <laughs> It, it, Jocelyn was not the um, uh, not pilot. the pilot. Uh, it, he owns the airplane. Oh, he owns the airplane. Or, uh, excuse okay. me, the helicopter. Yeah, the aircraft. The aircraft. And and I would imagine yes. that Larry Jocelyn could well own aircrafts. He could well. That's a callback to an earlier that's, episode, yes, folks. That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. listen to old episodes. You'll get. But it. you know, his business might take a nosedive. <laughs> This third one is kind of a thing, all right? Um, our pal Mike Daniels, uh, formerly of the uh, of the Rocky Mountain, no, what did they call it way back when? He was a podcast, aviation podcaster. Um, Mile in, High Podcast. Mile High, thank you very much, the Mile High Podcast. Um, and uh, continues to be a great pal. Uh, he and his wife Elizabeth uh, are, are nomads these days. They, they live in a motorhome and travel around the country, um, uh, adventuring and, and working and, uh, and doing lots of interesting things. Um, he sent me this the link to this story and he was a little worked up about it i initially wasn't worked up but i've become a little bit more worked up as time has gone on so apparently and you guys jump in if i get this wrong what apparently happened is that an instructor 
correction, it wasn't an instructor. It was a DPE. This was a check ride for a private pilot license. And on soon after takeoff, during climb out, the DPE simulated an engine failure by reducing power. Um, and um, the apparently the the uh, the candidate, the pilot candidate, um, reacted well in terms of of you know orienting the airplane and kind of getting ready to go. And then they they decided they weren't going to actually land, so the DPE r- tried to add power back in to f- climb out, and the engine didn't come back. And they were unable to get the engine to produce enough power for them to climb, and so they ended up landing straight ahead into trees, into a forest. And uh, and um, Mike Daniels reports, because he's actually flown in and out of this airport, that um, there really wasn't any place clear to land out there. You were going to land in trees. Um, and so... Um, um, hasn't, he was, also, hasn't he also flown this specific airplane? That's, that's right. That also caught his attention because he's yeah. flown this particular airplane. It was a uh, it was a Cessna 172, um, a relatively new one, um, and uh, and yeah, and there was 180 a lot of, horse, right? And there was a lot of conversation about about um, whether or not the the boost the fuel boost pump had been had turned on. Um, and time will tell exactly what the why the engine wouldn't develop power again. Um, but Mike was quite disturbed by the idea that this DPE would in fact simulate an engine failure in this particular situation, all right, on climb out from an airport where there was no place to go. And uh, I don't know, you guys tell me, what, I'll just say one more thing, and that is that my first impression of this was that this was an unfortunate accident, but that the the training exercise, if you will, or the test exercise was not unreasonable. And the reason I feel that way is because I actually had an instructor chop power on me on takeoff. All right. And, and I found it to be a very, very valuable learning experience. All right. Um, now the big difference between mine and this one, mine was, um, in in a situation where there was still plenty of runway ahead of us. So we were able to land straight ahead on the runway, no problem, all right? Um, And in this particular case, the story case, um, there was apparently no place straight ahead to land. So Mike's pretty upset about this. Um, What do you guys think? It would tick me off something big time to have uh, uh, an instructor or a pilot examiner Want to simulate a uh, an engine failure someplace where there is absolutely no margin in case the engine doesn't come back. Yeah, and 500 feet with nothing but trees in front. I'm sorry, that's just not that's just not smart. Yeah. Uh, these are supposed to be learning experiences, not not forced landing experiences. Right, Jeb. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I uh, there are other ways to achieve the same objectives, not least of which um, on a check ride would be to once the airplane is is uh, climbing and uh, um, proceeding, you know, away from the runway, away from the airport. Um, ask the applicant. All right, what would you do right now? If the engine quit, where would you go? What would you do? And force the pilot to give the, the examiner an answer. That, that accomplishes a couple of things. One, it obviously elicits the information the examiner wants to get. Uh, two, it distracts the pilot. And distractions, of course, are fair game on a check ride. Um, and what would happen next is, is anybody's guess. Um, it, it's not clear to me... Um, 
from this discussion whether retarding the throttle was the only action the examiner took to help simulate the engine failure. Um, for example, um, why did the examiner tell the student to turn on the fuel boost pump if um, it, uh, if there was some uh, if there wasn't some reason that the fuel boost pump might be suspect? Further, why didn't he turn on? Turn on the, the, that is uh, a little puzzling, fuel, especially fuel since boost pump, yeah, the know? DPE apparently took over the airplane once it it was apparent <laughs> right. that things weren't going as planned. Right, and and the the uh, NTSB preliminary here indicates that even the DPE didn't turn on the boost pump. So right, right. Um, but and, but correct me if I'm wrong. Turning on the boost pump is basic. That's like that's like you know engine failure 101. That's like the second or third thing you do if such is. a thing exists. Right, it absolutely is. Yeah. Check and make um, sure the fuel selectors on the full tank. Turn on the bus boost pump. Turn on carb heat in a Cessna, except you don't have to worry about that in the injected ones. Uh, and it would seem to me that at only 500 feet on climb out from takeoff, the boost pump should still be on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the checklist is. Um, yeah, the know, takeoff it's shame, checklist. Right. It, it's a shame we don't have some some device or some network <laughs> we could access to to, to learn out. this information. Uh, and I'm not, I'm going to let you all do that this time. I, I I don't know if a boost pump on in a in a Skyhawk XP is is part of the pre takeoff checklist in my airplane, which is also fuel injected and and not coincidentally is a low wing design. Fuel boost pump on is not a takeoff checklist item. Oh, really? Okay. It is not. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I'm not very experienced in, in this kind of thing, but my, I would have assumed that it's basically a free safety thing that adds to you know, your situation. Why, it, why would yeah, you not yes, want the boost pump on? Are you, are you, is that overly exercising the pump or something? Exactly. It's too much fuel flow. It'll flood the engine out. Oh, okay. It's, it, the pump is that powerful, and um, um, later designs slash t- STCs slash turbo uh, uh, charger installations uh, will put in a resistor across part of the switch to make it a two-speed, or I should say a three-speed off, medium, and high um, uh, to make the boost pump a, a, a two-speed uh, kind of thing. Um in in my airplane, uh, you've got a fairly simple plumbing system. You've got an engine-driven pump, okay, just as I'm sure the Skyhawk does. Um, if the engine, or if you even suspect the engine-driven pump is giving you a problem, flip on the uh, electric pump, and then you have to re-lean the engine um, to uh, to cut down the higher fuel flow, which is the reason you don't use it on takeoff because you don't want to try to have to lean the engine on takeoff unless you're at a high altitude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I am actually looking at what apparently is a 172S Skyhawk uh, checklist, and uh, and it does not show, and I'm not seeing... Uh, and me neither. On, on during any of the takeoff sequences, um, I wanted to see where the emergencies are. Let's say emergency. I meant go around. Emergency engine failure after during takeoff. Well, it doesn't call. It doesn't refer to the boost pump either. So, anyways. Well, 
uh, engine failure while airborne checklist is the one you want to look at. And you know, I'm not there, seeing there, any there might be there might also be something about low fuel flow. Or, auxiliary, okay, engine fire, uh, engine fire, engine failure in flight, auxiliary fuel pump switch on. Yeah, there you go. All right, so, um, anyways, um, huh. yeah, I I I liked when when my instructor chopped the power on me on takeoff when we had plenty of runway in front of me i found that to be a really really educational and good thing and i'm pleased that it happened but having an instructor or a dpe chop the power when there's no place to go i i'm i'm sold that was a bad idea yeah yeah I, i've had a similar instance we talked about this via email um i had a, a cfi um shut off the fuel to the Skyhawk we were flying at night at 2,500 feet over Chesapeake Bay. And yeah, okay. He, he got his point across, um, but there were other ways to achieve the same objective and, and certainly other locations to achieve that same objective. And uh, that was kind of the quibble I had um, with that action. I, and I did, never flew with that CFI again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, just just by chance, or you chose not to after that? Both. Yeah. Both. I mean, the opportunity never arose, and I don't know what I would have done if, I, if the opportunity... Well, I, the opportunity on one hand, but the the being forced to fly with him on another hand, I don't know what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Mike. Yeah, I think got, we agree with you. So yeah, you got to watch those right seaters. Yeah, I know. Really. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they, a great man once said, "The only thing more dangerous than an airplane with one pilot is an airplane with two pilots." So. <laughs> well, you know, they might also you know, like open a window at thirteen thousand feet over New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Those are a bunch of whole bunch of callbacks to old episodes, folks. Uh, we'll leave it as an exercise to the listener. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as 10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Um, what else here? We're sort of beginning to reach the end of our allotted time. We're not there yet, but, uh, um, uh, one of you guys pick something out of the rest of the list here, um, before shout outs. We'll do shout outs, but, uh, pick one of these last four items. One of, oh, come on. Go ahead. Well, the, uh, the, the 20 most produced aircraft of all time. Uh, that's, all right. that's, that's going to be perennial. Yeah. And, and, okay. All right. Where is it? What does it say? The 20 most produced the 20 most so this is from um this is from a website called boldmethod.com which which by the way what? is is uh, a very interesting resource oh really uh, You're yeah familiar? I, this is what is this the one that's involved with uh ga news 
Yeah, they they uh, they work with Ben Sclair at oh, GA okay. News uh, quite frequently. Uh, they also put out their own separate content. Um, they put out a daily or I won't say daily. It's multiple times weekly um, email that you know a couple of challenging quizzes, for example, some video that you might not have seen it it's it's certainly worthwhile oh okay i I wasn't i i was i know ben has talked about working with them i i confess i haven't really looked at it too closely but uh, boldmethod.com uh the 20 most produced aircraft of all time all right 20 is a lot let's see if we can get through this list um if there's anyone that you really particularly want to talk to talk about um stop me number 20 the north american t6 texan um um, it's a notable aircraft, if only because I've ridden in one of these, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. A couple times. You saw a yeah. Jeb, right? Yeah, so I know. David, I, know. I believe you did as well, right? Yeah. Yep. We rode with the uh, with the uh, Aeroshell, Honda, slash all their other sponsors team right. Um, right. a couple times, right. and so that's pretty cool. Well, rather than rather than go through these... Yeah. You know, okay. Of course. We can, we can count backwards and whatnot. Which of these surprised you? Okay. All right. Well... Just to help the listener here. So I'm just going to list them real quick. I'm not even going to talk about them, okay? Uh, 19 uh. is the P-51 Mustang. Uh, 18 is the P-47 Thunderbolt. Uh, 17 is the Huey, the Huey helicopter. 16 is the DC-3. Fifteen is the Yakovlev, the Yak-9. Czechoslovakia, right? Russia. 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 Okay. Uh, 14 is the, uh, is it Mil MI-9? It's a helicopter. Yes, it's MIH. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it say MIH? Okay. Russian, Soviet. Yeah. Uh, 13, Mikoyan Gurovich MiG-15. Uh, 12 is the Antonov uh, AN-2. That's the uh, cool big biplane um, tail dragger. Big. Uh, 11 is the B-24 Liberator. 10 is the is the Polikarpov PO-2. Uh Piper Cub is number nine. Uh, the uh, Focke-Wulf FW-190 is number eight. Spitfire, number seven. Cessna 182 is number six. Cessna 150 is number five. Piper Cherokee, all variants, is number four. Messerschmitt is number three. Uh, Ilyushin, uh, is it II or IL-2? IL. IL-2 is number two, and number one is the uh, Cessna 172. So what's surprising? Um, well, not surprising is the 172. That's kind of somewhat well known, right? right that the right. 172 yeah. is the most most produced aircraft. Yeah, and it's still obviously in, in production. Yeah. Um, one other thing, I, it surprised me that there were so many MiG 15s built. Um, yeah. If if for no other reason than uh, the MiG 15 was quickly followed by the 17 and and subsequent uh, versions. But this is saying that 18,000-plus of these were built, and I understand that many of them were built for export and, and uh, sold or, or given to Soviet client states. But that, that just seems like a buttload eh, of, uh, of uh, jet fighters, especially for, for the time. Um, so I, that, that's, the, that's one of the surprises to mm-hmm. me. The other surprise is what's not on the list. Yeah? What would you have thought was on the list that isn't? The B seventeen, yeah, true. It doesn't make it doesn't make the cut by virtue of numbers, and and I'm thinking, you know, we can always you know Google it or whatnot. I'm thinking those something like fourteen thousand B seventeens are made, and that doesn't make the top twenty cut here. Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about the B seventeen. Uh, 
Usually it says, come on, open page. Come on, you can do it. Apple, right? Now, 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 now. now. <laughs> yeah, the one that surprised me the most. 12,007 is how many B-17s were okay. built. I'm okay. sorry, David, go ahead. Uh, the one that surprised me most being on this list was the BF-109. Uh, yeah. That's a lot <laughs> That's a, that's a lot of Messerschmitts. That's a lot of ME-109s. Um, many of them apparently were built under license in Spain also, yeah. and and they were also built um, by, they were also built after World War II because they were a fairly popular um, uh, model and, uh, you know, offered certain things that uh, were not available in the other aircraft. Mm-hmm. I think the one that surprises me the most, and there are a lot of these airplanes that I'm not real familiar with, so I can't really speak to whether it's surprising. But the one that does surprise me is the uh, uh, the Antonov AN. Is it an AN two or an AH two? AN because the labeling on the side of the actual aircraft that's pictured here says AH two, but um, that's Cyrillic. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Um, this is a cool airplane. Um, I actually been inside one of these. Um, I was wandering around the hangars at some airport. I think Livermore, California one time, I was just wandering around some Saturday morning looking in, you know, peeking in open hangar doors and I turned the corner and saw this airplane in one of the hangars. It was not airworthy at the time. And, uh, and the owner, hangar owner was there. And so I was chatting with him and he said, I, you know, can I take a look? And we climbed inside it and, um, it's, it's big. I mean, it, and you can kind of see that from this picture. It really is a big airplane. And that's kind of, I'm kind of surprised that, that, a fair, what seems to me to be a somewhat special use airplane has so many of them made. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. but it's still in production. The last I heard, is that really true? I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I, I would have thought that it was it was antiquated. But uh, they're uh, they're popular with a lot of uh, skydiving drop zones because of how much how many people they can carry. Uh, they're not fast. <laughs> Uh, but they got a wicked climb rate, and they they don't need much runway. And uh, I used to see one in uh, at an airport west of uh, the St. Louis area, uh, north of uh, Spirit. And uh, they de- used it to fly tours. They leased it out to fly jumpers. But the uh, it, it, it's like a DC three. Yeah. Except it's single engine and bi wing. But in terms of lifting capability and, and passenger capacity, it's the Russian DC three. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't aware of that. That's I, I can understand that. It doesn't surprise me exactly, but I I wasn't aware. Um so I, I don't know that I've ever actually seen one in the air, in, in person, you know, in, in the wild, if you will. Well, that brings up one of the questions. How many of these have you been in or flown in? Oh, yeah, that is a good question. Flown in? I don't think I've... Well, I mean, the, obviously the 150s, 172s, the 182s I've flown in. Uh, let's go back through this list real quickly here. You guys can do the same thing while I'm looking here. T6. Done the, done the T6. Uh, 172, yes. Illusion, no. Messerschmitt, no. Cherokee, yes. 150, yes. 182. Spitfire, if only, um, Focke-Wulf, no, Cub, you know, oh no, I have been in a Cub, that's right, I have been in a Cub, uh, Paul Karpov, no, B-24, I, boy, would I love to, um, B-24, by the way, not B-25, that's kind of interesting as well, if you ask me, but, uh, mm-hmm. 
Um, Antonov, I was in one on the ground, but we didn't fly. Um, MiG-15, nope. Um, the MIL, the, the MI-8 helicopter. I, I have it in my head that that's a wickedly dangerous aircraft. Do you? Well, it's a helicopter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Yakolov, no. DC-3. I don't think I've ever flown in the DC-3. I've been in them to tour them. Um, Huey, no. Thunderbolt, no. Fifty-one, if only. T six, yes. How about you guys? Which ones have you flown in or been in? I, I counted seven that I've either flown or, or been aboard while airborne. Which one's the most notable? Most, you know, notable. To me, the DC three uh, of, yeah. of the seven that I've been in, um, just because. I should add riding in a in a DC three to my bucket list. That would be a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, well, ones that I've been in when they had air under the tires, and 172, the uh, Cherokee, 150, 182, uh, Piper Cub, uh, the uh, B-24, the AN-2, TC-3, the Huey, uh, T six. You, you you win. Yeah, really, you win, David. Um, the Huey, were the doors on or off? Uh, both. Okay. I, it always struck me that that would be, well. See, because I have a fear of heights, and that would really trigger it. Um, I I rode a helicopter, one of the one of the uh, I guess Bell helicopters, the the rides that you can buy at at Air Venture, right, right. and uh, and good news, bad news was that so you know the way they were seating people in passengers, uh, the uh, the pilot was. Uh, it's funny, a helicopter pilot, the pilot in command is usually to the right, but for some reason my recollection is that this pilot was to the left. In any event, the pilot was 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 at one end or the other it's a bench seat so they put somebody in the middle and then somebody at the other doorway all right and i lucked out and got to be at the doorway all right but it just so triggered my my acrophobia that i was always a little bit on edge for the whole ride it's kind of like whoa you know Uh, strapped down right strapped in of course you know but still right there and in you know so um but uh so, so flying a Huey with the doors off, you know, I've seen pictures of, you know, especially in combat, you know, it's like, ooh, I don't know about this, you know, but I don't know. There was a Huey, so what'd you, it, and it's apparently a very, very vibration-filled ride, David, is it? Is it? It's a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, I'm the only one who even tolerates helicopters. You guys just don't seem to, you know, have, no, there's no love lost between the two of you guys and helicopters, huh? No, it's... Uh, it's it's, it's a standard joke. It's um, I, I know an oil leak it, and the yeah, rotating. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. right. It doesn't fly. It beats the air into submission. Blah blah blah. It's a great tool. Yeah. Uh, but I've never been in one that I, I got comfortable. Well, I take it back. A Coast Guard Dolphin. That one was fairly smooth and comfortable. Yeah. But it was multi-engine, multi-rotor. Uh, we were all suited up in splash suits, flotation survival suits because of where we were flying. Uh, and the only recurring paranoia throughout the four different times I flew on that ship was, man, if we went in a helicopter, my cameras are, to- or if we crash in the water, my cameras are toast. 
That was my big concern yeah, okay. about the whole thing. All right. Well, I don't know. It's, I, 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 I will say to our friend Turbo Eddie, um, it's Higdon and Burnside. All right. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Interesting list. Um, send, us, uh, send us email about which of these, uh, these uh, most manufactured 20 you think are, are interesting or you've rode in or tell us your experiences. That would be interesting to hear and, from and, listeners. And throw in which one, if you had your wildest desires, you'd want to fly. Or own. Or, or own. own. I don't know. Um, yeah, okay. All right. Yes, let's do that. Let's ask people that, and maybe we'll revisit this later on. Shout-outs. What do we got here? Anybody got shout-outs? I don't have any this this week, this month, this episode, <laughs> whatever, whatever the duration I'll, I'll, is. I'll jump in. Yeah. And uh, my shout-out is to uh, a good friend and longtime uh, participant in the podcast, Amy Lobota. Yeah, why? What's, what's uh, up with she? Amy? She and I've been working together on getting some training done. She's a uh, instructor, of course, and I needed a few things to, to brush up on. And, and all uh, just fell into place. Now it I all understand. just it all just fell into place. Go ahead, tell and, us what happened. And, um, no, she. Uh, we've been working um, various ways uh, uh, for I guess three or four weeks now on on some things and. Uh, trying to get uh, me a little bit better at instruments and I needed a BFR and some things like that so uh, uh, did a couple did a flight uh, a couple of flights last week did a couple of flights this week and uh, uh, got my BFR got an IPC and uh, uh, we're gonna do some more mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's uh, it's fun flying with Amy yeah, and I uh, just I very much appreciate her help yeah, so, that's great. I've never flown yeah. with her in as in in with her wearing her instructor hat. I, I've right. flown with her a right. handful of times, and it's always fun. She she really loves airplanes, and it's a it's a joy to to share that with her. But yeah, uh, yeah as an instructor, that would be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I so I saw on uh, on FlightAware you 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 did a route that it, you see usually when I see the routes that you fly, Jeb, you you like fly long distances in a more or less straight line, all right? Right. And I suddenly saw this routing that like you started at one place, you made this great big triangle. Angle, all right, with no stops, and then mm-hmm. ended up more or less back where you started. And I was thinking, well, right, that's a weird flight. What the heck? Yeah. Um, now I understand. It was training. Yeah. It, was, it was training. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's nice. Yes. Hi to Amy. Anything else, David? Shoutouts? Yeah. Quick one to uh, our old friend from the uh, light sports side and uh, magazine editor in his own right, and a fellow backseat trophy. Winner, yeah, Roy Bestwinger. Uh, his he's got a new book out called Roy's Powered Parachute Book, mm-hmm. and it's the ultimate textbook on powered parachutes. Uh, ground school in the book, uh, tips from a twenty-year flight instructor. It's got all the relevant uh, federal air regulations, and it's cross-indexed with the practical test standards. For uh, passing your sport pilot uh, uh, powered parachute checkout, and uh, I just thought it's pretty neat. Having failed for multiple years to finish a book I'm working on, I'm always impressed when somebody I know who's also been working on one for a long time actually completes the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So congratulations, Roy, and we hope uh, we hope it helps draw a lot of new pilots to the uh, pool because that's the most critical number that we're uh, failing at right now is mm-hmm. adding new pilots. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Congratulations to Roy. Other shout-outs? Anybody? No? 
Okay, fork time. David. Dave Higdon is a uh, aviation photographer, uh, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Av Buyer magazine. Dave, it's always great talking with you. Thank you. What What have you been working on? Anything fun? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't sugarcoat it. Give it to us straight. <laughs> well, I was just trying to uh, get to the. Uh, oh, here we go. A, uh, oh, come on. Speed up, computer. See, when I'm doing the editing, I can clean these kinds of things out, all right? When we get the new guy in place, or new gal in place, all right, uh, you know, you can't, can't yeah, count he, on this kind of stuff getting cleaned up. You know? He or she is, is going to need to be, you know, have, have some training and, and be talked to. And he or she um, uh, will have to swear up and down. Yeah. To cut some things out. <laughs> I don't know, you know. You have to, like, give your people, you know, some leeway to, you know, add their own creativity to it, you know. And uh, mm. for all we know, he or she will, you know, edit in, like, you know, you do a little Max Headroom stuttering, and I don't know what they'll do. It could be cool. Nick, 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 Nick. Yeah, Nick. exactly. Right. Exactly. Did you figure it out yet, David? Yeah, I Got to cover story on the uh, on the latest avionics news. Uh, looking at the uh, uh, progress that we're making on uh, advancing ADSB changeover, uh, know where the uh, where the trends are heading this year, which is almost over. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And so, where can people find out about this and other things you're working on on the internet? Well, uh, the uh, avionics news copy is available from the AEA website. That's aea.net. Uh, my weekly BizAv blog on avbuyer.com. I'm doing one of those every week. Uh, and, and beyond that, I can't see beyond tomorrow. <laughs> And also, my other good friend here, Jeb Burnside, is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? I uh, just finished uh, the November issue of, of Aviation Safety. Bunch of good stuff in there. Uh, should be on the streets, as they say, uh, later this month. Um, also, uh, have a new article on the streets at uh, GA News. Uh, and submitted a follow-up to that. So, uh, all that stuff is covered. Um, I also have an article in an upcoming issue of uh, Avionics News, mm -hmm. uh, which will be on the, well, I guess that will be the November issue also. And, um, you know, after all that, I'm going to take the rest of the day off. There you go. Where can people, well, and so while you're resting, where can people find out about your work um, on the internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com, GANews.com, uh, AEA.net. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Okay, so it's with an odd amount of pride I can tell you that I finished my first iPhone app, did all the machinations, and 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 submitted it to the iTunes store where it was promptly rejected. <laughs> Why? Because it was too simple. Quote unquote. <laughs> Now, admittedly, okay. no. Okay. Admittedly, it was a very simple app. It was, the goal of this first app was just to kind of like, you know, me to practice to kind of go through the whole process, right? And so I created a very, very simple sort of alarm clock app. All right. I mean, it's it's it was really practice. All right. It was that practice, 
and I wanted to take it through the whole process. And so uh, with great pride, I finished it up and I submitted it. And you wait like six or seven days until Apple gets their act together. And they sent me back. It was very polite. They were very nice about it. They said, rejected. <laughs> so they, uh, so uh, good news, bad news. I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm both, I have an odd combination of hurt and amusement at this whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know. And I, I don't mean to laugh at your expense. No, but it's, that, that, that is, it is rather humorous. It is yeah, amusing. Yeah. I feel like it's a badge of honor now. And, uh, um, I'm debating whether, as I said, this was an exercise more than anything else. So I'm debating whether to actually make it acceptable. All right. Unrejectable. All right. Or, rejection list or whatever um but i have another more interesting app coming down the line that uh, hopefully won't get rejected at least not ultimately so that's what i've been working on um you can follow me on uh, uh twitter where i'm uh, twitter.com slash jack hodgson learn more about me than you really ever wanted to know at jack and around the field.net hey big thanks to uh, jeff ward for all his help with the show notes uh, and in the forums thanks to uh, mike morgan to royce earl to jim goldman and to the many other listeners who have created the ucap disclaimer clips uh you can follow us on uh, twitter at twitter.com slash class g airspace that's all one word uh, and you never know what kind of stuff might turn up over there and don't forget to check out the rest of the ucap website you can chat with us directly and with your many fellow listeners uh and uh, in the ucap forums uh, also check out all the show notes uh, where there's all kinds of information about all our episodes and much much more all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com david was there something you were going to say live long live well Go fly, and remember, the, the more you fly, the longer you live, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. It's a simple fact. And Bye-bye. That, and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep them on their toes. <laughs>